Good evening and welcome to this, the South African Equestrian Federation podcast from the horse's mouth. My name is Georgie Roberts. I have had the privilege recently of commentating at the World Cup qualifiers for show jumping with Graham Wynn, who raised an incredibly important topic of conversation in the equestrian competition world, and that is our arena stewards and how absolutely critical they are to our sport. So tonight, dialing in from the Storkies Dry Equestrian Centre in Brits for the South African Show Jumping National Championships, we have arena steward Barbara Lovell joining us, giving us the insights and the nitty-gritty on what goes into this very tough and demanding job. Not always perhaps uh, rewarded in the correct way, Barbara, I'm sure you're going to agree with us, but playing a very critical part to our sport and to keep things running very smoothly and safely for horses and riders in the warm-up arena. Barbara, thank you so much for taking time out of what I think is arguably one of the biggest shows of the year to join us this evening. Absolute pleasure, Georgie. Happy to be here. Well, thank you. So, uh, I really, I mean, you must be exhausted. I'm sure it's been a very hectic few first days of the show. Can you briefly describe to us your role and responsibilities as an arena steward? Okay, so really we're here mainly for the horse welfare. Um, all our rules start, the preambles, all our um, horse welfare comes first, and we therefore fair play for all competitors. So, so basically, we're, we're, we're here to assist all riders, um, making sure that everybody has a fair opportunity to warm up and to work their horses and things like that. A lot of riders call us the FEI police, but we're not really the police. We're here to assist. Um, our motto is actually to help prevent and intervene. Um, I love that. So we hope that we hope that we seem to be here to help. I think that's really fantastic. Um, you raise a valid thing. I think also the police are treated very similarly. So, you know, that's a, that's a fair statement to make. How did you become interested in doing this role in the sport, Barbara? So, so actually I got dragged into it. Um, as, as judges and learner judges and trainee judges, we, we had to do some stewarding. Um, none of us were really interested in it. But um, as we've got more and more involved, a lot of us have found that we really enjoy the stewarding. We enjoy being on the ground with the horses and with the competitors, um, being able to help behind the scenes. Um, your horses, if a horse suddenly goes sore or whatever, to be able to call the vet and assist them. Um, yeah, and a lot of us thoroughly enjoy the, the stewarding now and have, have come up through the ranks and have gone through the FEI system now. What, what qualifications are those that you've had to get, Barbara, in order to fulfill this role? So you come up through, through the learner um, and provincial and national levels. So it's a lot of um, going to the lower level shows, um, being in the warm-ups, learning from, from senior officials. Uh, it was very much a hands-on um, mm. kind of ex you know, learning experience. Um, and then the FEI got involved and um, brought in uh, directors, course directors from overseas, and we all went through the, the training to become FEI stars. And then after a few years, up the levels and up the grades. So, so yeah, it's it's a it's a long process and lots of um, time spent in the warm up and um, practical, yeah, um, 
it's it's there's a, there's a steward's manual that you have to know inside and out and um, we do annual ces's once which is a um, competency based exam every year to keep up to date with the rules and things like that so there's quite a lot of hard work that goes into it but um mainly working on the ground it sounds like a real a real labor of love here and i think it's so essential to our sport that we've got people who love the sport to fall back on and to step into these roles very much so it's very much people who um because we get a lot of abuse <laughs> riders <laughs> they get tense they get nervous yeah. and they feel we are criticizing them or we picking on them or whatever and we're not we are here to make sure that that the rules are being followed and that everybody is is adhering to the rules so that it makes it fair what are some of the qualities you think are required to become an arena steward? Because immediately I'm thinking resiliency and having a thick skin is one of them. But I'm sure that there are many others. And that riders are coming from a place of, of being very nervous, very tense, um, possibly have had a bad round and now suddenly you coming along to say, hang on, that was wrong and you're now going to be eliminated or, or whatever. Um, but but it's it's huge people skills, but also a great knowledge of horses. You have to be able to pick things up quite quickly, um, tech problems, tech issues. You know, it's hard to see from a distance, mm -hmm. but yeah, you've got to be able to, to um, draw on your knowledge a lot. Um, so, so Barbara, to, to start taking a brief dive into the tack rules, which I, I'm sure are way too comprehensive to run through in one evening, what are some of the most important rules and regulations that you find yourselves having to enforce? So um, we do a lot of time in the warm-up. So we are making sure that horses um, aren't being wrapped over illegal fences, and we don't actually find. Would you um, describe for a second what, wrap, what wrapping is for a, for the the audience who might be unfamiliar? Um, well, it would be uh, dropping the back pole lower so that the horse doesn't actually see, or creating a false ground line by pushing the ground line under the fence. Um, by by bringing the horse in deep and making it, it hit the, the top pole with its front legs. Um, once horses do that, once they, when they go into the ring, they're now going to be really, really careful because they don't want to be hurt again. Um, yeah, but but we do a lot of, of that in the warm-up. We, we usually find the problems are generally, um, there's people on all sides of the fences and they're saying, put it up three holes and somebody puts it up two by mistake. So we generally find a lot of the problems are just, um, by mistake. I mean, we do have the odd problem that is done intentionally, but we try to stop that. Um, we then do a lot of, of the boots. Um, we do a lot of hind boot checks and post boot checks. Um, while horses are in the warm up, we are looking, we do check for tight nose bands, um, for split reins or any kind of a standing martingale effects. So there's all sorts of rules that, that we are looking for at all times. The, the FEI have just brought out a new TAC app, which is very, very useful. You can download it, you can oh. go on, you can put in any type of reins. The, or, the, the FEI or has brought out actually a wonderful variety of apps, and I just must urge anyone Absolutely. listening. There's a doping app, there's a safe sport app. I mean, it's really fantastic. 
Yes. And the TAC app is an ongoing, um, they're developing, developing it all the time. They're updating it. Um, anything, because, I mean, they come out with new mm. types of boots and new types of bits and nose bands and all sorts and of things. And the rules have all to times. adapt to keep up and with it, I'm sure. constantly updating. Mm. Yes. So it, it's sometimes it's quite difficult to understand because, of course, they have all the FEI disciplines on this TAC app. Mm. But um, we, we as stewards are finding it a very handy tool that if you want to say to somebody or show somebody that something is incorrect and it's on the TAC app, you can easily show them with your phone in the warm up mm. or whatever. So we are finding it a very, a very useful tool. So you speak about the warm-up and when competitors come out of the arena, Barbara. What is a typical day in the life of an arena steward at Storky's Dry Brits, specifically for the SA Show Jumping Championships? But what tomorrow, like being Thursday, what do you expect? How does your day start? So we're we're up early in the in the warm-up. We have to be there before any horses start. We we're there whenever they are working their horses or, or preparing for competition, we are out there in the warm-up. Um, so we're there from, tomorrow we start at 8, so we will all be out there from 7.30. Um, we have a steward constantly in the warm-up, which we we try to rotate and, and take turns so that one person isn't standing there for a four-hour competition. Um, excuse me. But... Um, and then we we have to be there for the whole day. We ensuring that the arena uh, staff is coming in and raking and watering arenas beforehand, that the um, going is decent for the horses. Um, yeah, we there the whole day. So <laughs> we also then wander around the stables. We do stable checks as well to make oh. sure that horses have water and are being looked after in the stables in our free time we do that your your free time i like that barbara <laughs> so so just to be time. clear yes. your your mandate exists from the warm up arena to the going of the arena the actual jumps the competition arena the stabling area i mean that's that's a lot to take on yeah it's the welfare of the horse in general that's wonderful and I think with a yeah. particular mind yeah. at the moment, that obviously is a, this massive spotlight on our sport. And these rules, I mean, please interject here, but they are, they are really here for the well-being of not only the horse, but the entire sport. Yes. So, so the rules, a lot, of, a lot of the rules we, a lot of us feel are unimportant or irrelevant or whatever, but there has been an issue somewhere mm. in the world and these rules have been put in place for a reason. And it might seem silly, like your blinkers can't be three and a half centimeters. They can only be three centimeters and less, a maximum of three. And it seems so silly, but on the other hand, there obviously has been an issue somewhere and the FEI has to set some sort of standard um, or, or that we have to just, unfortunately, half a centimetre is half a, half mm. a centimetre. So, you know, some of the types of boots that they disallow are, are little brushing boots and you just feel they're so soft and gentle and what possibly could somebody do, you know, do, do to them to hurt the horse. Would you take us into that briefly, Barbara? I know you can't possibly run through all of the boots that are now not, no longer allowed, but I, I know specifically the hind boots have been a massive source of contention recently in show jumping. Yes, so the FEI, they brought in new um, hind boot rules um, for, for seniors that came in in 2021. So it was they were gradually brought in for pony riders, then juniors, and then adults over the three-year period. 
Um, and they, they're moving away from any type of um, performance enhancing boots of any type. They're looking for protection only. Um, so they did away with anything with um, bumps or pressure points inside, um, anything with a pullback or a, a over tightening kind of mechanism. So your pullback boots and your ratchet uh, fastener boots that can be over tightened have been done away with you're not allowed to use those anymore anywhere on the event um on the event venue so from the start of the competition right you know the start of the mm. trot up right through to the end of the competitions um they they've um sort of put a a, a requirement for a certain size so if it's a velcro um strap of just velcro it has only one strap it has to be a maximum a minimum of five centimeters and this is so that you can't have them too tight and short and can injure the horse and rub on its its leg and and cause you know any sort of of injury or any sort of pain for the horse as it's as it's working in the arena and that sort of thing so they've brought out all sorts of of these type of rules which we do a lot of hind boot checks and we have been doing them since 2021 and before that um to try and educate and and teach people and encourage them to be using the correct boots. Mm. And Barbara, how can people for themselves, I mean, obviously the, the onus does not lie on the stewards to educate. You are there to enforce. Not at all. So where do people find this yes. information other than the FEI TAC app? Do they find it on, the, on, on their relevant discipline website? So, um, SASJ, we use the FEI rules. So, the FEI rules are on our, our website, the link to them. Um, there is a section on salary and, and boots, and that all comes into that in the FEI rulebook. Um, like you say, we are only there to advise and to guide and to help and to assist. Um, and if we find something illegal or something that's injured the horse, then it's a case of us reporting it to the grand jury and then making a decision on how to handle it. But it really is the onus is on the competitors themselves to know what type of boots they're allowed to use, what type of tech they're allowed to use, how many times they're allowed to hit horses and things like that. It is on the rider that the onus mm. is theirs to know the rules. Can you provide some examples of what the most common violations are, but also a B pass to that? How do you how do you approach it with a rider in this high stress environment? You have to be very diplomatic, <laughs> very diplomatic and very gentle. I think you um, could. I think you, you should look for a job in uh, bricks, uh, Barbara. I feel like that would be a more appropriate <laughs> place for your skill sets. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, obviously we, we try to be as, as nice and as um, educating as possible. And, but there are times when we just have to say, that's enough. You can't do that anymore. That's enough. You will be reported or you've, you've got a problem. You've, you've, there's been a spur mark on your horse. And unfortunately now we have to, you, you need to get off and we have to deal with it. So there are times when we have to be um, strict and that's for the welfare of the horses. Um, but but generally, 99% of our time is spent um, working with the riders and helping them and educating or explaining that something isn't correct and it's up to them to to fix it before they go mm -hmm. and compete or before they come in again or or whatever. 
And what are some of the most common violations? You mentioned earlier on too tight nose bands or restrictive martingales. So um, the, the, we don't often have issues with too tight marting, uh, nose bands, but we do when we do a hind boot check, we try to check them. Um, and there, there is a guide in the FEI um, guidelines that um, the steward has to be able to put two fingers up through the nose band between the nose band and the horse's nose. Um, we do find every now and then that, that it's slightly tightened and we ask the, the rider to and to just loosen it and generally they all comply. We don't mm. really have issues okay. with that. Um, the same thing with boots. Um, we are finding still people with with boots with with pressure points inside them or um, the, the very narrow um, straps on them. Um, we don't really so, so much find any of the illegal type of, of fasteners anymore. People seem to have got that into their heads, but um, the, the shops still seem to be selling um, types of boots that do have either very oh. narrow um, elastic straps or, or ones with pressure mm. points inside. And and we just say, you know, unfortunately, mm. it's not allowed. <laughs> it's almost part of a systemic a systemic change that you're trying to enforce here, I suppose. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, as much as we try to be nice and educate people, unfortunately, the rules are there that something is not allowed. Mm. So um, there come a time when um, somebody else will complain or lodge an objection. So we, we really have to um, enforce the rules yes. as much as we possibly can. So I, I was going to continue with that. Obviously, the, general, the FEI General Assembly was held in South Africa last year, November. And the establishment of the Equine Ethics and Wellbeing Commission has been a massive thing. These rules are obviously set up to reinforce horse welfare. Do you want to, I know we've spoken about it, do you want to just, just briefly go into how, how these rules are improving the life of, of general equestrian athletes? Um, well, like you say, the rules are all written um, with the welfare of the horse in mind. Um, we, we have many protocols in our stewarding day-to-day um, -day work where we are um, making sure that, that all these rules are for the benefit of the rider and the horse. Um, we always have to ensure that there's a horse ambulance at all these big events. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that there are screens okay. available. Mm. There's, there's a, a, an emergency plan where the OC and the stewards work together. Um, and if something does go wrong, the plan is quickly put into place and and um, so for, for the better of the of a rider falling or a horse falling. Um, there's also rules that if a rider falls or a horse falls, they have to be checked um, and cleared. A horse has to be cleared by a vet before it can carry on competing. So these kind of things are, are put in place to protect um, riders and horses. So all of our rules and protocols um, are there and we hope that they do assist in this mm. whole big grand scheme of welfare of the horse and social license to operate mm. and that which is becoming a, a bigger and bigger issue in the equestrian world. You speak about a horse ambulance and for example that's something that wouldn't even have occurred to me because how often does something like that happen but you do have to have the contingency plan obviously in place Absolutely. for that one in a million, yes. hopefully one in a million. Um, we do. 
what and then to move on on i mean obviously trying to avoid accidents from happening what safety precautions or rules are in place to protect horses and riders um well hopefully all of them hopefully um you know all the rules of of in the warm up um you know, we try not to have too many, but but sometimes we get uh, a, a big crowd, and the stewards are there to try and um, make sure that that the overflow can go to a separate area to possibly do their flat work or something like that to make sure that because the the warm up is where horses spend the most time and the most time jumping. Um, we we try to always um, have the, the our our protocols, our hind boot checks, our our medics on standby, you know, all of those things are part of all of the officials' um, responsibilities to check that they're in place before we start a show, um, before we start a, a trot-up. Um, we can have some horrible accidents at horse inspections and trot-ups. Um, today we had a stallion get loosened and oh, it was fun. just all hands on deck. <laughs> Yeah, so so um, we do have we do have lots of things that that have to be managed, kept in place. Um, different people are responsible for different things, um, and we all have to report back to the SAF and to to SASJ on all the, the the safety measures that have been put in place at each show. And was there this and was there that? So so there's there's quite a strict. Um, I suppose there's also we're in a room yeah, in, in a world where there's increasing to be honest, litigation. And you have to be able to prove that these safeguards have been put in place and adhered to. Yes. Yes. So Bar I think the, yeah. the SASJ has got lots. Yeah. So so Sorry. something like, no, 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 please, please. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so interested by this. And it's all the things that we don't think about. You know, the live streaming focuses on what happens in the in the actual competition arena. But to your point, the majority of everything is happening in the warm-up arena. So I think we should change the cameras around. I think we should be focusing on what's happening in there. <laughs> Sounds like it's way more entertaining. But Barbara, how do you handle these emergency situations that arise? And I'm talking about, you know, in the, in the immediate crisis, but then also afterwards, you're talking about reporting to not only SASJ, you know, which would be your discipline association, but to your national authority, which is SAEF. So um, for years, it's always been that they are, the chief steward has to report on all stewarding matters. There's a veterinary report that has to be done from, from the vets. Um, the president of the grand jury um, will be reporting on all matters in the arena. And then the, tech, the SASJ technical rep um, reports on all that the rules are followed and complied with and all the rest. So these things are in place. Um, it's it's very easy for us to go through a checklist and and before an event and say you make sure that this is in place the ambulance is there, um, you know the 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 tractors and the arena maintenance happens happens every so many horses, those sort of things. So so everybody has huge responsibilities um, and yeah we that's what we mm -hmm. do <laughs> every show yeah. in day in day out. It's 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 such an interesting for me. It's such an interesting overlap between the passion for equestrian sport and the administration and and the total attention to detail that is required to make the sport happen for everyone. And it's very easy for people to be in one camp or the other. And I think you guys have a very interesting intersection of those two worlds. 
Yes, very much oh. so. We work very, very closely with the OCs. Um, the, the stewarding team works very closely with the ground jury and um, with the arena staff and everybody. We, and then we the riders. All, hmm. And then the riders, mm. yes, yes, ultimately the riders. Yeah. How, how does your team of officials, judges, course designers, how, how does everyone liaise and stay on touch, on board with everything? I mean, that's quite a monster. So um, we, we always have radios. We're always in radio contact. Um, and then you will find that your your sort of ground jury, your, your chief steward, your SASJ rep, and your president of the ground jury are constantly um, talking, uh, liaising, you know, if something happens, an incident happens in the warm-up, it automatically will be reported to the ground jury so that everybody is aware of all situations that are going on at the event. Um, the vets, we keep in constant contact with them as well. So they they liaising with us and we're liaising with them. Um, yeah, it's 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 quite a well-oiled machine. I can, I can say team. from having been in the announcer's box a few times that it's amazing how quickly those running orders can change. And it is so smoothly communicated. Show jumping runs at an incredible pace. And it'll just, it, it does seem to seamlessly happen. But I think that's the sign of a good team, right? Is when people don't realize how close they were to disaster. We, we do have... Um, lots of whoopsies and running orders that go out and they publish the night before and then they change in the morning and it's just a case of you've just got to communicate it to the riders the the team in the warm-up has got to keep um, moving horses through and through up to the arena so that the arena can carry on running uh, yeah you've just all got to work mm. together how do riders or, or or coaches escalate inquiries correctly. I mean, the the path of communication is quite a strict thing under equestrian sport. How do they escalate these inquiries, and what is the correct way for them to approach you directly if that is the inquiry that they want to speak about? So, if it's anything to do with um, horses, uh, tack, warm up. Um, stabling issues, anything like that, um, they can approach um, any of the stewards or the OC themselves. Um, if it's to do with um, in the competition arena and um, a horse has lost a shoe or something like that, um, all of those things can be liaised with us and then we will automatically send it up to the ground jury or they can go directly to the ground jury. They're always very open to um, somebody popping in and saying they've got a problem or they, you know, so it's it's we're all very open to to letting riders come and chat to us about issues or problems or needing I, to change things. We try to accommodating as possible. I like that. I, I I get the feeling that it's it's a very inclusive environment. It's not a big scary thing to come and approach one of you to ask a question. Not at all. We would rather people came and asked us questions, and we could um, either if it's a problem sorted out before it becomes an issue. Um, rather than them just mm. going into the competition arena and then it be issue. We we don't like having to eliminate people or having to discipline people or or tell them that they've done something wrong. Mm. We would rather sort things out and make sure that everything runs smoothly and people are happy. I mean, yeah, we want competitors and horses to be Absolutely. happy. Absolutely. It's for the good of the sport. Nobody nobody wants it to be unpleasant. Yes. 
Unless it's somebody who is unpleasant. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Barbara, to, to move on, as we're speaking about unpleasant incidences, what are some of the biggest challenges, but also rewards in being an arena steward? So, well, for me personally, um, I've been lucky enough to, to go overseas a couple of times. and I You were just recently in Trion, you said. Yes. What yes, a I did wonderful experience. It, it really was. It was absolutely magnificent. And what was so nice to see actually was how um, here in South Africa, we actually, we could, we could take a show here and put it there and it oh. would run just as smoothly there as it does here. That's so great to hear, <laughs> isn't it? Wow. Yeah. The international language of horses and show jumping is is really the same everywhere in the world, and and I just found it so so nice to see mm. that it was the same there. Yeah, it's a massive a massive feather in the cap, I think, of a discipline that is is really world class in South Africa. But but um, you 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 very some of that BRICS uh, political skill that you have there. Um, you glossed over what some of the biggest challenges are of being an arena steward. And I'm going to have to hold you to that, Barbara, to answer. <laughs> so I think, I think we, we have to be out there in all weather. We, we are out there in freezing cold, windy conditions, boiling hot. We are out there in the sun. Um, I, think, I think the weather is one of our biggest challenges. Um, you know, you often just get a little gazebo that you're sitting under. Mm. And, um, but, but it's just part of the job, you know, the standing long hours um, in the arena, we do a lot of, of boot checks. I mean, boot and bandage after the main classes, you know, we, the stewards are the ones who have to take the boots off those horses. That must also and be fun because I've seen those horses, up. yeah, jumping around. That's quite a feat of athleticism. Yeah. Exactly. I keep saying, why haven't we got younger stewards? Because it really shouldn't be us old ladies. There, we should have the Springboks there. This should be part of their training. Yeah, I agree. No, I think that would be good. Um, yeah, so it's it's quite a physical job. I, I, you know, you, you're on your feet long hours and you are out long hours. Um, when we were doing World Cups and four-day World Cups where we have secure stables, there has to be somebody at the stables from six in the morning until six at night. So there, you know, it is very physical mm. and, and, but the reward is you get to be with the horses and you get to know the people, you get to know the horses. They've all got such different personalities themselves and yeah, the grooms too. The grooms are I love that. Yeah. With. And to be part of a sport that I think we all really love and feel very strongly about. Exactly. Exactly. I think our stewards are, um, to Graham's point, he said, you know, the stewards are the forgotten heroes of the arenas very often. And they, they're receiving a lot of abuse because of riders, as you said earlier, on nerves and tension and, you know, a lot of pressure that's going on there that has nothing to do with you guys. But without you, the sport it, it literally would not be allowed to function. So that really is yeah. part of the reward that perhaps you don't feel as acutely as the rest of us do. No, we do. We do. A lot of us, the, the, the ones who, who love the stewarding, we, you know, the being with the horses, it's just... Those of you who love being suckers amazing. for punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. We often think we're suckers for punishment, but we do enjoy it. <laughs> I think anyone who's a horse owner is a sucker for punishment, Barbara. 
Can you share, besides Trion, which sounds like it's, it could be a podcast on its own, can you share any memorable experiences or moments from your time in the, in the arena as a steward? As a steward, it's not, it's a lot of hard work. Um, and other than, and other than being with the horses, I can't really think of anything that sort of stands out. But I mean, the <laughs> opportunity, but, but I mean, really the opportunity to be at Trion. I mean, I love how you gloss over that. Like it was a work experience. <laughs> That's just incredible to be on it, a world stage is, is really quite something. Yes, yeah. Um, I was also in Barcelona, and the same thing. It was it was very similar, but in some ways that was different because um, they they do do things slightly differently over there. Um, in a warm up, you don't have um, an oxo, an upright, and a cross. You just have three or four oxes, <laughs> and you as the as the arena steward are now having to watch four oxes. Okay. Instead of just your one ox. Yeah. So so it was it was quite challenging um, in many respects, but then exactly the same in the others. Um, so th those are memorable, um, and most shows are. You know, every show we go to, you think, oh, can, you know, can this day end? But by the end of the show, we all, oh, when's the next one? You mm. know. <laughs> and I think we there's are suckers for punishment. We really are. Absolutely, and they're always those special horses that really capture the the hearts and souls of spectators and officials and riders and trainers around, you know, and we all just so look forward to seeing them. Yes, yes. And we forget that these are the, the, the top riders, you know, mm. and the top horses, and we're just so used to them, you know, hi, Sammy, or, yeah. you know, to the groom. So yes, that's lovely. We are very privileged to be able to work with them. Um, how do you stay up to date with the latest rule changes in the industry? I know you say that there's the FEI app, but I mean, it, uh, uh, there must be so many inconsequential changes and then, and then so many really important ones. How are those communicated effectively to, to stewards and then to riders? So I'm not so sure about the riders, but we as, as stewards and judges, we have um, an annual seminar every January. Um, where we all get together and we do uh, go through all the rule changes, discuss anything, um, anything new, anything old with, we're having issues with. Um, as FEI judges and stewards, we have to write annual um, online exams and we have to do every three years, we have to do an in-person Oh, that's incredible. With the FEI course directors. Wow. We have to bring them out or go over. Yes. So, so is that at your own expense, Barbara? Keep up to date. Is that at your own expense? Sorry, if you if you want to go overseas, because I was going to say, is there any ongoing training or like CPD is becoming a big thing with coaches, continuous professional development? If you want to go overseas and continue that, so that's obviously for your own expense. Yes, generally that's your own expense. Um, if we have um, uh, judges or stewards that are needing to to go up the ranks and um, there is a course overseas, we have had one of our judges recently go over to Spain and, and do a course where um, the SASJ assisted them with, with paying for, for flights and, and the course and everything. Um, otherwise, SASJ brings out course directors um, every That's three years yeah. so that we can all keep our, maintain our status. Yeah. So we don't all have to travel overseas. It does, does it mm. works in our favor that they come over once a year and everybody attends the, the in-persons here. 
And again, for riders and trainers to stay abreast of these rule changes, what is the, the best way? Still the FEI tech app. Well, the tech app is really only for tech. Um, your, your, your rules and your, your um, other things, it's, it's every year the, the FEI puts out a new set of rules and every year there's a markup version. I like to go through the markup version because then you can always see what's been crossed out and what has been put in in its place. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a case of, of just always being on top of mm. it and, and knowing that every January a new set of rules is coming out. You know, and I think to your point, we recently did um, a podcast about the Pony Heights with Dr. Sheila Higgerty. And she said that you were saying earlier on, sometimes the FEI rules that have been updated are speaking to a specific case that has happened. And it might seem like something obvious to us. And Dr. Higgerty was saying, she's a, as our national vet, that one of the rules is you may no longer measure a pony that has had a fractured wither because there's only one reason you would fracture a wither. Um, it's a very interesting podcast yes. to watch. And she said, without that clause, you would never have even, you wouldn't have, have considered it. But it really is important to have, as you were saying, that minutiae attention to detail to make sure that you stay on top of, of everything and make sure that your training and your horse is within the specs of what is now required. And that's exactly what the FEI does every year. It's not always new rules. They're often clarifying mm. rules. They're often adding words or adding, um, sort of making it clearer in certain instances. Um, and that's how the rules are changing, you know, just making things slightly different or, or yeah, three centimeters as opposed to too wide, you know, mm, <laughs> for your blinkers, anything like that. Yeah. Barbara, if they have to do that. Absolutely. No, of course. It, and, and there's always a hard line that does need to be observed for some reason. And if it's, if someone can push you on three and a half, why not four? Why not four and a half? And then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So and we hate doing it, but we have to. No, of course. Um, Barbara, if there's somebody who, who wants to get more involved in the sport, and we all know we desperately need people who do who do have the energy and capacity that you do to get involved with the sport that we love in order to keep it running. What are the next steps for them to get involved and what advice do you have for them? So um, we do do annual uh, seminars every January um, and people can contact SASJ officers and put their names down. And then when we do do training seminars or things like that, we can um, get, include them, invite them, whatever. Um, but we, you know, to get out there and to go to venues and to say, I'm interested, I would like to help um, and start your journey that way is a, is a very good place to start, you know, helping out in judges mm. boxes, um, helping out in the show office and things like that. And I know it might but, seem intimidating. Um, we do do them I, just, I just have to interject and say that it does seem intimidating <laughs> at a show, but there are only everyone is only too happy to have some help, you know, and whenever everyone's so been, no, like I've arrived at shows at the last minute. I've said like, I have an hour. Do you need a scribe? They've never said no. There's always been a, a demand to be filled. Yes. We always need extra help and, and willing people and you know, people who are interested in learning. It's, it's, we, we desperately need uh, new stewards and, and judges coming up through the ranks. So we, we're very happy to welcome anybody who's interested. And what advice do you have for those interested parties? It's a long road <laughs> <laughs> and time consuming, but 
but it's 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 well rewarded at the end you know you you get involved and once you you in with a group and we're all working together it's such a rewarding experience and it's a real family i do have to say that as an outsider looking in on sasj you guys seem to work very cohesively together and it's a very welcoming environment Good. We're glad to hear that it's like that to the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily always the case on the inside. I think a good family is like that, Barbara. There's always a lot of fighting around the dinner table, but you're very um you're you're very aligned when it comes to outsiders. Yes. And we need some new blood. And any words for your SASJ national championship competitors for the week and weekend ahead? Just good luck, everybody. We're here to help you. You need anything, you just have to ask us. Barbara, thank you so much for taking time out of what I'm sure is an insane show to speak to us this evening. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Georgie. Lovely to be here. Thanks. And that has been a wonderful deep dive into the process of arena stewarding um, right in the middle of our South African Show Jumping National Championships being held this week at the Stockies Dry Brits facility. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, if you want to get involved, please reach out to your discipline association as well as to the South African Equestrian Federation. Always looking for new blood and new energy to keep our sport rolling forward. And remember to be nice to the people who make it happen for you. My name is Georgie Roberts, and we'll see you here again next week, Wednesday at 7 p.m.